Hello, everyone. Welcome to Lavish Hope, a podcast that highlights stories of resilience and overcoming. In this space, we explore what it means to be resilient in today's world, how to overcome challenges and find hope that is generous, abundant, and even extravagant. It's a hope that is deeply rooted in our faith, not some theoretical ideal, but gritty, real, hard-won faith. It connects us with the prophet's powerful, assuring message, for surely I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your welfare and not for harm, to give you a future with hope. And our hope is that you'll come away from these episodes feeling encouraged and inspired with perhaps a new tip or tool to help you on your life's journey. So come along with us and embrace lavish hope. Hello, hello, and welcome to Lavish Hope with Liz Testa. I am so excited to be with you all today and to have my dear friend and colleague and sister in Christ uh, joining me, Rachel Lohman, all the way from California. I'm over here on the East Coast, as you all know, and so it's very fun that we're united across the country um, by this gift of technology. Hello, Rachel. Hi, Liz. Thanks so much for um, inviting me to come and share. And I love the work that that the vision that you are launching with Lavish Hope. Thank you. Thank you. So Rachel, I would love for you to share a little bit about yourself and what you're doing with our listeners. I actually uh, have a background in broadcast journalism. And I knew at a young age, it's funny, my mom has these um, pieces of paper where I used to scribble out newscasts when I was a little girl. that I was drawn to storytelling. I loved um, hearing stories, telling other people's stories. I just found them to be so powerful. And so I went to school to study uh, journalism. And after a few years of working in the industry, um, in the TV news world, and uh, just seeing a completely different side of the media, Mm -hmm. um, I just started to feel this like twinge in my heart that, man, I love the medium here but I want to be working with content that has the power to change people's lives. At the time I was working on a sports fitness show and I just thought, you know, this is really exciting and everything. But at the end of the day, the work that I'm contributing to has no life transforming power. Um, And that's not to say that, you know, I I could have been called to that. I think people called to that field, you know, God uses that and, and we need followers of Jesus to bear light in that industry. But I just started to feel this sense that like, I want to tell life transforming stories. And um, I wanted to tell that kind of news. And I just, I just think it's so cool looking back, um, even that word news, how God then slowly through uh, some experiences, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit and some of them very painful experiences and allowing some of my dreams to die so that I could see that the news that I was looking to tell was the good news that Jesus is the only life transforming message and hope um, that we have and that we can offer people. And so that led me on a path to go to seminary. And um, then I became a commissioned pastor with the Reformed Church of America. My husband and I have pastored in various capacities um, in the last six or seven years now, six years. And uh, most recently, we are leading a church called The Bridge in Chino, California. It's about 45 minutes uh, east of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And um, I say uh, with my two children during the day and 
do a lot of work from home initiatives and endeavors. And I'll get into that a little bit more too. <laughs> so fun. Well, thank you for giving us a little snapshot about yourself. You know, this is lavish hope stories of resilience and overcoming. Mm -hmm. So one thing I always like to ask my guests is what does resilience mean to you? And maybe you can share a little bit about how you've cultivated it in mm -hmm. your life. That's a great question. 10 years ago, I would have said, I would have probably defined resilience as the ability to bounce back. Um, mm -hmm. But now I see it it, there is so much more effort and intentionality um, to grow the process of resilience. It's not just this natural cause and effect process. Um, I do think that God works redemptively through uh, the painful experiences of our life to bring about resilience. But so much of it is, I think, kind of like a, a heart posture of Am I going to look back at the painful things that I've gone through in my life? Because when I look at my life story, resilience has grown out of the most painful chapters. It doesn't grow out of the mediocre chapters. It doesn't grow out of the good chapters. It grows out of the really hard and painful chapters. And with that has come uh, a much deeper hope, trust, faith, all of that. It literally has these couple of experiences that I've had in the last decade have single-handedly um, been the greatest catalyst of my sanctification. So as I think about resilience now, you know, I would think about it as the seeds that um, are planted in those seasons of a lot of pain. And then it's the intentionality to, to cultivate those seeds, to um, give space to the emotions, to the processing, to, to open those up and to let those painful seeds be part of your story. And out of that, um, God grows resilience. And um, one, one quote I was struck by uh, the other year when I was reading a book on grief, uh, Lament for a Son by Nicholas Wolderstorff, um, was he talks about his biggest struggle was owning his grief in a redemptive way. Like I, I own my grief, but the struggle is to own it redemptively. And that had really opened my eyes to, you know, I can keep this close and in like clenched fists around my grief and my pain, mm -hmm. or I can ask God to help me do the hard thing of opening my hands and to take these painful seeds and to let them be planted so I can see God's redemption spring forth in a tangible way in my life. Yeah. And that's how I've come um, to understand resilience now. Yeah. So, you know, Rachel, I, I know your story, um, but I can, I just know that um, our listeners would be blessed to hear if you can share um, the specifics of what you're kind of talking about in a more general way. Would you? Sure. Sure. Absolutely. Right yeah. Absolutely. Um, so I think uh, the biggest thing that I go back to um when I was 24 and kind of on this path of journalism, I wanted to be a news reporter and I wanted to go to Miss America. And those are two dreams that I held very closely to me for years and, and pursued for seven to 10 years. And um, after I had won a state title, um, things didn't unfold the way that I thought they would afterwards. And there began to be some discrepancies on my eligibility, things that had been signed off on months prior to me even competing. And it turned into um, kind of this media frenzy, um, which 
I still feel like silly saying that because why would pageant news become <laughs> a big thing for the media? I'd say it was a slow news week. But, um, you know, the media played such a big part of God shifting my dreams and my call in that pivotal point in my life because for the first time I was on the other side of the camera. I was the one being investigated there. They're asking me questions. How long have you lived in this state? Blah, blah, blah. Were you eligible to compete for this title? And I just saw uh, with new eyes, like my eyes are opened for the first time that, um, and this is not what I, this is not the field that I thought it was. Um, just the ethical um, truth gauge, it, it was almost non-existent. Really anything could be aired. It didn't matter if it was factual or not. And I didn't realize that until it was my own life being discussed um, on the 11 o'clock news. So um, I ended up resigning my title um, about a month into winning it. And uh, with that resignation, you know, and giving back my scholarship money um, was also the resignation of two really big dreams, going to Miss America and going on this path to, to tell, um, to be a news, a news reporter. And then it was the year after was that season that was really hard. Um, I moved back um, into an apartment with my mom in LA. My parents had recently divorced two years prior after being married for all of my life. And that was all that I knew. Um, and I waited tables and um, I just felt and I, I remember feeling this in the moment, man, I feel kind of young for like all of these things to be falling apart already. <laughs> mm. I feel like I should have, you know, most people, this doesn't happen until like a quarter life crisis or in their thirties, whatever it is. But looking back, I think God allowed it to happen. These experiences, these um, seasons of brokenness to happen to me at a, at a young age um, so that I could be in the position where I am now coming along women as they're walking through the same struggles, I by no means have it figured out, but my eyes are open to this whole yeah. other reality of walking through life with brokenness and seeking God's redemption proactively and allowing those, um, what we would probably internally refer to them as ugly chapters of our stories, be read, be read by others and accepted into our own life narrative. So um, those experiences, um, yeah, they were really crushing in, in my early 20s. And I was recently with um, a pastor uh, and leader in our area that I really respect, Dave Gibbons, and just had shared with him a bit of this. And he said, Rachel, what happened to you when you were 24 um, was not meant to anchor you. It was meant to be a launching pad. Hmm. And the yeah. enemy tries to wound us and those gifts and those calls that are deeply personal to us. And he's like, that's exactly what he tried to do to you. But that wasn't meant to anchor you. That was meant to be a launching pad. And honestly, that reframing almost 10 years later, uh, it's, it's so true. And I see how God has been wanting to use that experience in my life in that way. But maybe how I've been hesitant to accept that. That's amazing. This idea of, you know, the reframing of, you know, challenging, really heartbreaking situations as being a launching pad. I think that is, it's kind of an exciting, it's an exciting reframing. Thank you for bringing that to us. Um, and so 
you're talking about um, the work you're doing with women to encourage mm-hmm. women now. So can you tell us a little bit about that and sort of how you've arrived at this Absolutely. place? Absolutely. Right yes. Well, um, my husband and I, um, we have two children here on heaven, two children in earth and one on he- and one in heaven. And we lost our first child um, about three and a half years ago to miscarriage. And I think I was, I didn't know a lot of women um, closely in my circle who had walked through that at the time. Since then, I've gotten to know um, more women who, who share this, this common experience, unfortunately. And as I would hear the stories and I would speak publicly about this, um, you know, when it fit into sermons and we're talking about grief and brokenness, um, I, I wanted to share this experience because for some reason, and I'm still not sure why, miscarriage, infant loss, and fertility, there is still a lot of shame associated with these um, things that we have no control over. And it breaks my heart to know that women um, carry the shame from these certain life experiences as they relate to motherhood and don't really feel like there's an an avenue to grieve, to talk about these things, to come alongside other women with like, uh, sh- like and shared experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for years, I have felt like God wanted me to do something in this scope of helping women find hope who have walked through miscarriage. And I thought I knew what it was. I thought, yeah, I'm going to write a book. And um, I got about halfway through the book. And um I just, at this point, I was pregnant with our daughter, Eden, who was just born um, almost a year ago. I just needed something um, in, there in those last couple of months of pregnancy, a creative outlet. And it was almost too hard for me to sit and write about the heavy truths of hope and grief as it relates to miscarriage, as I was yeah. uh, expecting myself. Um, and so I started actually I revisited um, jewelry making, which is something that I had done through middle school and high school and loved, but obviously, you know, lost sight of as life got busy. And um, I kind of came to this fork in the road moment in July. Um, I had had so much fun making jewelry and friends started buying it off my Instagram or I thought, okay, there's something I want to focus on for the next season. I've got my jewelry making, which is a really fun outlet but I'm not sure that it's like the hard gritty work that God's calling me to. (laughs) I should really put down the fun and go back to writing the book. But um, I got this clarity on July 27th when I was having some silence and solitude with God. And I just felt him showing me that this burden on my heart and this um, creative passion with my hands, like they didn't spring out unrelated they were deeply connected and that they were to be a bridge to one another. So um, what I'm doing now, um, I launched something called Hope Again Collective. Um, We launched in October and the handmade jewelry that I create, I name each earring after a woman who has lost her baby. And I share her story. I give her a platform to share her story because these stories are often hidden there's not really an avenue to discuss this issue. Um, But also I love the empowerment that can come when a woman's able to share her story in this capacity for the first time. 
And so um, that's what we do. We share stories of women who have gone through miscarriage and found hope. And then um, part of each pair that's purchased, um, we give practical grief resources to women walking through miscarriage. So you can wear the earrings and, and feel good knowing that, yeah, these aren't only beautiful, but they represent somebody's story. And this purchase has helped give the gift of hope to a hurting woman. That is fantastic. And so um, I'm just wondering when you're talking about this, um, you know, this wonderful space that you're creating for women to share their stories. Um, what, what are some things that you've been finding, perhaps your own individual work, but like that you're hearing from these women around where they find hope and how they build, how they built resilience um, mm-hmm. to overcome that pain that they've endured? Mm-hmm. I think a big theme has been um, uh, women not being afraid to acknowledge what's happened to them, um, their experience in very practical ways, like giving their child a name, even if they never held their baby in their arms, um, remembering them at the holidays, um, you know, buying a piece of jewelry, planting a tree, doing like these tangible markers. Um, so that they can cultivate remembrance, that seems to have a huge connection with um, a sense of hope. And and because that's given purpose to their pain where they can um, look back and to see, this is how this loss has changed me. And this child uh, played a pivotal part in me becoming the woman that I am. So I see that theme a lot. Um, And then there's also this collective aspect of it where, uh, and that's been just so meaningful to see um, women across the country who were complete strangers now being able to connect and kind of form this virtual bond of supporting one another when they're commenting on one another's stories and saying, oh, my experience was so similar to yours, or we share this exact aspect of, you know, the baby that we lost. And suddenly there's like this tangible sense that while my experience may have been really unique and isolating at the time, um, I am not alone in this grief that I carry. You know, that is, um, there's something about that that is like, it's so particular to this beautiful ministry that you're engaging in, this beautiful work that you're engaging in and creating this space where it's needed, right? So it's like God is calling you to create a space that does not, as you, as you've been saying that it does not, I mean, there's some places they have support groups and things. So we honor that, but, but just what you're talking about in terms of the particularity of creating a beautiful space for people, women to come together and process and share together and and move through. Um, And then there's this kind of universal, like what you're saying to me, like, I just felt this, like, like kind of pulling it up and out and seeing it as a much, like it's, it's a model for something much bigger which is, you know, like for us to have, have space and in our busy world that so values what we do, right? Mm-hmm. Doing, being, uh, like being busy, right? But then there's also just the being, being. <laughs> right. And I just, it just, um, when you were talking about the remembrance, mm-hmm. that is so valuable. We must remember well. And you know, scripture's full of that. Mm-hmm. We know many of our, cultures of origin of our global cultures they so honor the, these the seasons of remembrance and the needing to take time to sit you know in the in the Jewish tradition they're sitting shiva and, mm-hmm. and for a week that 
the, the grieving families to do nothing. Others are supposed to surround them and, do, you know, do things for them. They're not even supposed to look in the mirror. They're just supposed to sit and be with it. Mm-hmm. And I, I love this. Um, it's like, we need permission to do that, Rachel. And you're creating this beautiful model of like, not only is it permission, it's a value. It's like, you know, remembering well, sharing this idea that we're, you know, it's, it's the enemy that tells us that we're isolate, you know, it likes to isolate us, right? Mm-hmm. Divide and conquer. And so when we are shoring ourselves up um, to be in community, that is, it's agape love, you know, mm-hmm. it's so beautiful. Mm-hmm. So I love that idea um, that you painted for us and calling us to remember, to remember remembrance, the importance of remembrance, no matter what the things that we need to process. So what is a favorite verse or quote that, um, that inspires you to embrace hope and resilience? Hmm. Um, I actually, I think Liz, we had picked this verse as our kind of theme verse for the Her Story conference that you and I worked on about five, five or six years ago now, which was Psalm 107, uh, verse two, let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. And that has been so unlocking for me personally and has helped give me permission to not only own what I would call the ugly chapters in my story, because we all have them, whether you've experienced miscarriage or you've experienced abuse or whatever the gamut is, unfortunately, because of the fallen world that we live in, we all have those painful chapters of our life that we just assume rather close up and not let anybody know that they exist. But um, for me, I've seen it firsthand, like, you know, those chapters is where I see God do the greatest redemption. And mm-hmm. out of the deepest pain is where the greatest hope is born. Mm-hmm. And we see that, you know, I mean, that's the cross leading to the resurrection, leading to the greatest hope that we've ever had. Mm-hmm. So I think that that, even what you were saying earlier about the, you know, remembrance is a spiritual practice. That's why I think uh, in the Old Testament, like God is just constantly telling his people to remember and do not forget where I've taken you out of and where I'm, because you need these reminders of God's faithfulness. That is the confidence of our hope to go into an unknown future and a pretty scary future as as we look around right now. So the bedrock of our hope, um, yeah, it comes from remembering these, these sort of ugly chapters and then to have that, um, it's beyond permission to let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story, but it's an invitation. It's, it's exciting. It's, Hey, I'm going to embrace this. I'm going to say, this is my story. God, there might be parts of it that I still don't like, but would you help me see how you are allowing this to shape my soul? I know you didn't cause this pain, God, but I know that you will use this pain. And if my pain and me sharing this helps somebody else find hope, in you and find meaning in their own story, then perhaps this was all worth it. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great word right there. Thank you, Pastor. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, one thing I always, I always ask my guests is how are you cultivating hope today? Hmm. I would say, um, something that I've tried to um, really incorporate in the last year specifically, I spent intentional times of silence and solitude because for me, this idea of looking back and remembering, if I can recall God's faithfulness in an area 
like that that gives me so much hope it's like almost like um my soul is injected with energy like i just had an energy shot of something when i can see even in the small details i remember um there was one time that that mark and i were um we were looking for an apartment and we could not find an apartment anywhere and we got on a waiting list and we were like 30th in line on this waiting list for this one apartment um that we needed to live close to the church that we were pastoring when we were first married and we got the apartment like there are a string of, of things related to housing like that. There are a string of occurrences related to like huge medical bills that we've had where I can see God's faithfulness. Um, and so when I'm able to let my soul be quiet and to let the Holy Spirit bring those things to remembrance, that gives me um, such hope for my future. That is an active practice for me of cultivating hope. So what it looks like practically is even if I just set the timer on my phone, I'm a mom with two little kids for 10 minutes <laughs> and I go shut the door somewhere and I just sit in a chair, put my phone down and set the timer for 10 minutes. And I just be still before God. And when the 10 minutes is up, I, I jot a couple notes down in a journal that I keep next to me because I, I recognize that the swirl of our fast paced culture and everything that we live in, plus the work of the enemy in that, wanting us to forget God's faithfulness to us. I have to be intentional to cultivate hope in that way of saying, no, I'm going to pause to remember where you've been at work in my life, God, because that is my confidence going forward. Rachel, this is so, this is so excellent that you're elevating this hope uh, in terms of, in remembrance, because I hear in a lot of places, sometimes, you know, in the church, but also out in, in the rest of the world, talking a lot about, and it's so important, the attitude of gratitude, cultivating gratitude. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I'm just thinking of this, there's remembrance, there's gratitude, and there's hope. Mm -hmm. And, and so sometimes I think we just focus on the gratitude, which is fine. But what you're inviting us to do is to take it that extra step to take it into the hope category, which mm -hmm. lives alongside gratitude. But uh, for us, as we're engaging in spiritual practices, as we're deeping our, our walk with Christ um, and, and, and seeing how God, the, the idea of God's faithfulness, mm. I feel like it's, it's like gratitude plus. It's like yeah. hope is this gratitude plus. Mm -hmm. And that's a really beautiful concept because I think for some people that might be struggling with hope, because it is, it's, you know, it is, it is a, it's a, it's a really deep, profound, wide concept, right? This yeah. concept of hope, especially in this world we've been living in where there's so many challenges. So not just hope, but lavish hope. Mm. So you, you, if you, if you give yourself that permission to connect the dots, yeah. remembrance, and even as you were talking, there's things to be grateful for, right? And that's God's faithfulness. You're grateful. Like, even when you were saying just to remember God's faithfulness, that's an attitude of gratitude. Mm. without saying like, I'm going to, this is my gratitude list. I'm, you know, right. which is again, the gratitude lists are wonderful. The attitude of gratitude, I talk about it with my girls and, you know, folks I know all the time, but I love that there's this extra layer, this, this deepening. Um, mm. And that perhaps for some gratitude can be a little connector to help them get into hope yeah. that, that it, it, the way that you're sharing with us about your practice of cultivating it and how you're finding it even today is through this, um, this practice of being still and just mm -hmm. seeing what comes up and giving ourselves a chance to remember, because as we were mentioning before we, we started the podcast that 
our culture is one of just like, go ahead, go forward, move it out, move it out, move it out. Yes. And that, that idea, which, you know, many global traditions, you know, West African tradition of Sankofa of looking back to look forward, that is, and you know, that's, it's so biblical as you had referenced before, but to be able to look back and reflect that that is what carries us forward because we're not starting from scratch. Right. We do have those things from our past and there's good things too, that then, you know, you and I both with our backgrounds and mm-hmm. you know, careers in show business and, and in media, we see how God uses that every day in, mm-hmm. in what we're doing. So it's, it's a beautiful thing to be able to reflect. So thank you for that. As we're just getting ready to end, I'm wondering, Rachel, if you can just tell our listeners if they want to know more about your Hope uh, Collective and, um, and let me say it correctly, it's the Hope Again Collective. And um, anybody can buy the jewelry, right? Absolutely. So beautiful. Yeah. So can you just tell us a little bit about how people can be connected with that and sure. anything else you want to share with us about that? Because, I mean, God bless you. Congratulations for launching this. Um, this initiative, this it's kind of a business and a ministry all in one, right? That you launched it in the middle of pandemic. I mean, there's the blessings <laughs> of pandemic. So here's one, right? I'm launching a podcast in the middle of a pandemic. I know. And you're, but we both have hope in the title of our exactly. <laughs> ministry. So. Well, I think we know that for something to be born in, the, in 2020, mm-hmm. it has to be from God because it defies yeah. all natural odds. It was not uh, logical on any on any plane. But um, yeah, for anybody listening who's at all interested in, in getting connected with this space of helping women find hope again, um, we're on Instagram at Hope Again Collective, and um, our website is hopeagaincollective.com. Um, we release uh, limited edition collections of these handmade jewelry pieces, other earrings. Uh, usually every couple of weeks, there'll be a new um, collection up on the website. And it's polymer clay jewelry. Some of them have gold pieces in them. They're lightweight. Um, they're hypoallergenic, and they're made by hand. So um, that's that's one of the really uh, unique features about them is that each piece is just slightly um, different from the others. They're not cookie cutter, just like so many of our stories. And then each pair, yes, is named after a woman who's gone through loss. And we give proceeds to provide practical grief and self-care resources to women walking through miscarriage. So yeah, anybody can can wear them, can buy them. If you are somebody who has gone through loss or you know somebody who's experienced miscarriage who might find it empowering to share their own story, there's also a tab on our website where they can submit their story. And uh, I would love to, to hear um, any of your stories out there listening, how you have found hope in hard places. And if you... Um, are at all interested in kind of joining this collective mission to help women find hope again, um, that's where you can find us. Wonderful. Thank you, Rachel. I so appreciate you coming by the podcast today. Thank you and so much. For this great conversation. Thank you so much. And um, I know people there's, I know we have listeners out there that, um, that have been blessed by your, um, your authenticity and your vulnerability and sharing your story and, um, are finding hope again, even now in hearing Mm. what you're doing and, and, and this wonderful, um, collective that you've created and launched and God's blessings as it continues to grow and expand. Thank you, Liz. And thank you for paving the way for so many women like myself to be able to walk into their God-given calling and to do it, um, even with the ugly chapters of their story at the forefront. And so thank you for modeling that for us. I'm deeply grateful for you. Thank you so much.